Hey there, romance nerds. Welcome back to another episode of Raging Romantics. And we hope you guys are excited as we are. Oh my God, I'm so excited. We have a special guest today. And that guest is the one, the only, Lissa K. Adams. Hello, hello, everybody. (laughs) Welcome, Lissa. Let's go ahead. We'll jump right in. Oh, good. Hey there, romance nerds! Welcome to another episode of Raging Romantics. I'm Jen. I'm Jackie. We are librarians at Northern Onondaga Public Library, and we are also romance nerds. Now, if you're wondering what this podcast is about, wait for it. Romance! Specifically, the romance genre of books. We are going to be talking about anything and everything having to do with romance, the genre, the tropes, anything and everything. So with that being said, sometimes our material will be a little too sensitive for younger readers. If you feel the need to wait until they go to bed, we will be here for you. We would also like to issue just a general trigger warning for some of the things that we do talk about. We will always try to issue specific trigger warnings for each episode so that you know what you're getting into. Now, without further ado, are you ready, Jen? Oh, I've been ready, Jackie. All right. Let's rage! Sorry, I spaced out there for a second. Jen usually tells a joke, but she doesn't have a joke this time. There weren't any good jokes worthy of Lissa K. Adams or fart jokes or hockey jokes. I couldn't think of anything. I mean, you know. (laughs) I have a bad joke, and they're (gasps) pretty bad. I like bad bad jokes. All right, so a good romance usually starts with a good friendship, right? Yeah. What does a bad romance start with? Bad sex. Ra 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 ra. I don't know the words. <laughs> there we go. That's a good one. I like. Thank that. you. Thank you. You've I been like initiated that. into the bad joke club. <laughs> that is a good one. I like. I approve. <laughs> well, Lisa, thank you so much for being here. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. We feel so blessed. So thank yes. you. Oh no! Very honored. Thank-, <laughs> thank you for having me. This is great. I I'm very excited to be here. Good. And for those of you who aren't in the know, first off, how dare you? How dare you not know who she is? But in case you don't, (laughs) (laughs) Lissa is the best-selling author of the Bromance Book Club series, which includes Bromance Book Club, Undercover Bromance, Crazy Stupid Bromance, and the upcoming Isn't It Bromantic, which comes out this summer. And you have two more books in the works, right? Yes. Two more after that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. I might ask you question later on if we no problem share some state secrets. <laughs> all right perfect Lissa is known for taking on difficult discussions like me too and toxic masculinity while balancing that with a very humorous writing style steamy scenes and adorable male friendships and relationships Jen and I have honestly been huge fans since the first book came out like mm-hmm. I can remember Jen sending me that first article I think that was written about yeah. you and your books and like how you addressed me too and it's still like seared in my mm-hmm. brain we were fans before we read the books oh that's from so all nice. the articles yeah oh gee fans mm-hmm. <laughs> it was immediate pre-order for me 
Honestly, we're having a hard time really not like fangirling and screaming really loud. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks we're, for being so cool. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I'm honored to be here, honestly. And, and uh, I no no fangirling required if people actually could like see, you know, that I have a very strange dog on my desk and my <laughs> hair is in a messy bun and, you know, like it's, you know, <laughs> I'm not very exciting. <laughs> That's okay. I think that I missed the dog memo because Jen has her dog too. And all I've got is a cardboard cutout of Fabio standing behind me. I mean, I'll take that. Yeah. We'll call him my pet, I guess. I don't know. That got weird really quick. (laughs) I mean, you might want to pet him. (laughs) Um, Anyways, let's move on, shall we? (laughs) Is there anything that you want to address, like introduce yourself to the class with anything you think I missed? No, no. I, I mean, the, the, you know, the next book of course is about, um, a character that has kind of, I thought unexpectedly become a reader favorite, um, the Russian as he's called, um, real name of course is Vlad. And, uh, so I'm very, very excited to have his book come out. Um, it's released on July 20th, um, which is coming up way faster than it feels like. I mean, it, it, that's actually only a couple of months away. So that's weird, but, um, yeah, so I'm I'm just so excited that that the series has had you know this that the legs have lasted this long on this series <laughs> and that um, that people have been so excited about Vlad. It's it's really heartwarming to me. <laughs> now this is where I'll ask a state secret. I have to ask yeah. about my ship if it's ever going to sail. Okay, Colton and Sonia. <laughs> Can you confirm oh. or deny? Oh. Oh, you know, that actually would have been great, but it's not who I'm pairing Colton up That's with. That's okay. Oh, nice. I'll get over it. <laughs> I will love it either too. way. I will love it. Um, in fact, fun. I actually just posted in my reader group um, not too long ago who of the, um, you know, regular bromance characters, um, you know, after Colton's book, would they love to see, get their own book? And Sonia was number one. I so I think, yeah, she's one she's of my so faves. She's just so fun. She just mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't take any crap from these guys. Mm-hmm. And she's just like completely unimpressed, unimpressed with all of them. <laughs> you know? Good. Yeah. She was fun to write. Yeah. She's definitely a character. And that's something too about all the characters in all of your books. They're just so, I feel personable and exciting mm-hmm. and fun. And <laughs> even when they're going you. through their tough moments, I still feel like I can really connect with them. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's a huge compliment. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for writing them. I love how flawed they are at the same time too. Cause I was thinking a lot when I read the second book, just, I kind of love that Liv got it so wrong at first. Cause I feel like most authors would want to make her like the perfect poster girl, how you should react to this kind of situation. And she just kept screwing up. She was, yeah, she had it so wrong. And that was actually really hard for me to write because it goes against my nature. You know, like I want, I didn't want her to be screwing up. Yeah part of her process and part of who she was um that she kind of sees the world in very sort of black and white ways which is you know you when you meet her in the first book that's her fatal flaw in the first book is that she she just can't see the other side she cannot the fact that he that gavin hurt her sister once that's it he's done like she cannot allow thea to to consider taking him back and so that black and white worldview mm-hmm. carries over into the second book. And it was hard for me to write because, um, you know, it was, it, it, 
it, I had to, I had to work on those scenes a lot because my, mm -hmm. my gut instinct was like, oh, I can't make her say things <laughs> like this, but, um, it's who she was. And so, you know, she obviously has her redemption arc, yeah. you know, throughout the book and, and, um, yeah, but <laughs> she's definitely flawed. <laughs> I just, I loved yeah. it so much. Cause I think a lot of people have that initial instinct, like, you, you don't really know how to get it right at first. And I think she's such a good case study for how you can screw up and come back from it in a really beautiful, genuine way. Yeah, I, I hope so. Thank stories. you. Yeah. yeah. And Thank just the you. grays too. Just like, there's so much good gray area in your books. I was thinking about the third book too, with the whole drama over the uh, medical procedure with her long lost father with Alexis. And I was just right. like, oh, so good because I had an argument with one of our book club members because she was very much like no absolutely not never 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 and I'm petty mm -hmm. I don't think <laughs> I would have given a kidney to that guy either right but I loved the way you painted it so it's gray and it made sense for Alexis and she had like just the, like these very tug of war kind of emotions yeah over it. and it ended up being like the perfect right decision for her yeah and it was for her yeah. absolutely like there's no mm -hmm. way she was going to allow herself to not to go forward with that mm -hmm. you know it was and even, you know, she's even called out on that, that like, you know, stop pretending that you did not decide to do this mm -hmm. the instant, you know, Candy <laughs> showed up and said, mm -hmm. this man needs a kidney. Like you knew that you were going to do this. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Before we get too much deeper into like the bromance story, for those who haven't read it and are foolish who haven't read it, I've been forcing it upon everybody. I won't lie. Um, can you give us like a brief summation of the series in general? Why is it called yeah. romance and what's the main, why should anybody care about it? They should, but why? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah. So, and, you know, it's funny because um, the, it, the first book of course is called the Bromance Book Club and it's where you meet first this, this group of guys who um, have this secret book club um, where they read romance novels and um, they don't actually name themselves that at first. It, but, you know, if those people who remember the book at the end of the first book is where they actually start calling themselves that. Um, and um, it, the, to be honest, and just a little side story about how the term, the Bromance Book Club came about, um, I'm terrible with titles to books. And I, <laughs> when I pitched this, oh, terrible, terrible, terrible. And covers, never ask my opinion on a cover because <laughs> you could put anything on a cover and I'd be like, oh, that's so pretty. And like, you know, um, so I'm terrible with that. But when we first pitched this series and my agent first sent it to Berkeley, we had a different title on it and was sort of a subline or a, or a, a you know, a, a head there that, that was um, a bromance book club novel. And, and the editor, Christine, Christine Swartz, my editor there was like, oh no, we have to call this. The first book needs to be called the Bromance Book Club. Why that never occurred to me, I don't know. Because <laughs> I'm just bad so with perfect. titles. Um, but it was the term, the Bromance Book Club came to me like just in a conversation with some other writers that I met up with at a coffee shop. So of course this was pre-pandemic, obviously. And, um, you know, I just sort of, it would just off the cuff said, yeah, it's like a bromance book club. And then we all just kind of stopped and looked at each other. And I was like, that's totally what I should call them. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> so like began singing. Yeah. Like it was, and I mean, I was like almost like, I was like halfway through the book at that point. Like I had me. So yeah, it was, it was kind of a fluke that we came to that, but the entire series, um, you know, follows a different main couple 
um, always one of the guys who is, you know, part of the, the bromance book club. And, um, sometimes they are already married. So they have, you know, are having trouble in their marriage, like with Gavin and Thea in the first book, um, or they're single and, you know, they're trying to, you know, form a relationship with somebody. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's just, it's been a ton of fun to write. I love that these guys, one of the things I love the most about them is that they, they have conversations that I kind of, that I kind of wish and hope that real men in real life are having, or that, you know, I hope in the future they'll have, you know, um, conversations where they're very vulnerable with each other and, and call each other out when they're behaving badly and, um, you know, educating themselves actively, you know, educating themselves and stripping away some of these lessons from that, that, that they've learned about what masculinity should be and, and ought to be. Um, and so those conversations have been just a ton of fun and how then they relate to what they're reading, you know, mm -hmm. how they pull lessons from the books that they're reading. And, um, and I, you know, I didn't know if, if the series could, could last, if people would get sick of the shtick, you know, of the Never. shtick, <laughs> Never. But, but people are still seeming to enjoy it. And I, I am still enjoying writing it. So yeah. So hopefully people will find something in there. <laughs> I think there's something in each one for everyone because each couple too is so different. So Gavin and Thea in the first book is mm -hmm. what happens after the happily ever after. Right. And it's, they're facing divorce. And in the next episode, Jen and I are going to, we're going to read all three books and we're going to have like a deep dive into the three books. So we'll talk about it. Oh, more then. Nice. <laughs> we're going to take this discussion and apply it to that. So we can really um, cool. get to the nitty gritty. We like to do that. People tell us we read too much into it, but eh, who cares? <laughs> it's fun. But then in the second book, it's enemies to lovers. And it's also me too. And right. Mac is, he's a nightclub owner. He, he's kind of the perfect guy, but he's too perfect. And then right. Liv, like Jen was saying earlier, is she's, she's tragically flawed, but in a very fun way. So in a very mm -hmm. realistic way. Right. And she is saying, yeah. um, she isn't the victim of sexual harassment, but somebody she knows and a bunch of other women at her work have faced sexual harassment. So it's during the Me Too movement. Right. And then book three is kind of like the aftermath of the Me Too movement. Plus it brings in a lot of family drama and it's friends to lovers. So it's just absolutely adorable the entire time. You got to love it. <laughs> I think that's just so awesome how you as an author can take all these different little elements, these little shticks, as I think you called them earlier, and apply them in such a realistic and fun way at the same time in each book. This oh, thank you. That's very nice. I, I you're welcome. That. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really they're really rewarding to write. I mean, I um, I my I tend to be very irreverent, like just in life, and with like the kind of sense of humor I have. And so, um, it sometimes I I like, for example, with the second book, Undercover Romance, when you know here I am trying to fit a me too storyline into a romantic comedy. And I, it, there were times when I thought, what am I doing? How am I going to make this work? How can I do this? And, and, and it was hard. It was very, very hard to do that. But, you know, I think sort of the thing I try to remind myself when I get stuck writing is that, 
um, I write the kinds of books that I like to read. And that is, I want to go on a full roller coaster of emotions mm. when I'm reading a book, you know? You definitely do. Um, I do. And so like, I want to be able to, like, I feel like the best laughter scenes come after a good cry scene, mm-hmm. you know? And so like, that's just what I, I enjoy. If I'm going to write a funny scene, I want it to be really funny and maybe even like ridiculous at times. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, like, Vlad and the chicken. <laughs> oh my God, so much. I love that so much. <laughs> well, then I just, I just um, read through the scene of where they broke into Royce's office in the second oh, book yeah. and the Russian has to fart. Cause he's yeah. the giant, he's the giant butt joke. <laughs> oh my God. But that was so great too. Cause like how you just said it balances perfectly after like this first in-depth intimacy scene between Liv and Mac which is very like it's intense and it's emotional and then the chicken attacks Jeff Joff I'm not sure how you pronounce it Jeff yeah thank you (laughs) and um I first off as a chicken owner I can totally see my rooster doing that so you know that's really fun they are jerks absolutely but then it's like these men doing the and then breaking in and then the Russian's like I have to park it's just I love it so much and then it goes right back again it's just such right. we're, we're gonna fangirl hard but it's such masterful <laughs> masterful storytelling it really is oh you're that's very sweet i i because i wasn't sure if it was if those if those things could work in in a book together like i still every time i write a book i'm like i don't know can i throw all this in at once and you know with the help of my amazing editor we always manage to blend it together somehow mm-hmm. um but it's yeah the second book was really that one was hard because, you know, we didn't, we didn't want to trivialize the issue of sexual harassment and sexual assault and, and, and the aftermath of what survivors go through. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of, we had to be very sensitive to how we balance that within the story. Yeah. Well, and you can say no, if you don't want to, it's totally fine. And I can cut this out of the podcast. Do you <laughs> want to share your own story with me too? And because I remember in the article, when the first book came out, you talked about it. And I think it's yeah. really powerful. Yeah. So, you know, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to write a series about men who, as I just simply state, men who get it, you know, like, um, so, you know, I did write an article before the first book came out. Um, and I, I don't think there's a woman alive who hasn't experienced something, you know, whether it's as simple as unwanted attention as they're walking down the street or, you know, or, you know, God forbid, sexual assault. And for me, um, I was threatened with rape for the first time. Now, let me, that, I, I should say the first time. It would not be the last time that I was threatened with rape. But I was threatened with rape for the first time when I was 12 years old. Oh. And, um, so it was a boy who was a year older than me. He lived in a neighboring town and knew him through friends of friends. You know, there were these like small rural communities that were all connected, you know, where I grew up, like these tiny little farm towns. And, and so, um, and he wanted me to be his girlfriend, you know, as you would do at 12 years old, you would just simply ask someone, will you be my girlfriend? You know, and I didn't want to, so I said, no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right? You're yeah, supposed as to you say would. no. I mean, you know. And he became enraged. Now, granted, he was only 13 at the time, but he became so enraged that um, on the phone, he he threatened, just started saying horrible things to me and actually threatened that if he ever saw me again, he would literally, like, quote, drag me uh-huh. into his, his family's barn and I wouldn't be able to walk for a week. Oh. Now, I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. 
And, and it took me a long time, I think even until adulthood to understand the impact of that one thing Mm -hmm. on how I felt about interacting with men and boys, the fear that I had about saying about rejecting a boy, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that Mm -hmm. if you reject a boy, bad things happen to you, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and sadly, that would not be the first time that I was ever threatened with rape. Um, I, um, or faced any kind of sexual harassment as a reporter. It was, I was a reporter for almost 20 years in the newspaper mm-hmm. business. And you would be disgusted with mm-hmm. some of the things that men got away with, that mm-hmm. they still get away with mm-hmm. toward female reporters. Um, I had one uh, attorney that I had to cover on a regular basis who, when I was a cops reporter, cops and crimes reporter, that the price of getting a quote from him was that I had to endure things like, he would ask me what kind of underwear I was wearing, or would I go with him to his weekend, you know, Mm -hmm. spend a weekend with him at his, you know, um, his summer house. Would I, I mean, it was, it was like, it was just Mm -hmm. constant, constant. And so, you know, for me, you know, all these things kind of, um, steamroll over time. Like you become numb to them, but you mm-hmm. also realize that you've got this sort of like simmering ball of rage inside. Oh you. yes. Yeah. But I like a lot of women, I think in during the 2016 election, that ball of rage just became more than we can handle. And I mm-hmm. think after the access Hollywood tape was released, um, when, you know, Trump was caught on tape, um, revealed, you know, mm-hmm. on tape as having essentially making a joke out of sexually assaulting women, saying that he could do whatever he wanted to women because he was famous. And then there was this other guy who was like laughing and egging him on, right? And I, I, I don't know a single woman in my life who didn't listen to that and then hear all the excuses that were made for mm-hmm. it, right? Oh, it's just locker room talk, you know? Yes. Oh, that's just how guys talk when they're together. I mean, that ball, simmering ball of rage inside me absolutely erupted. And I couldn't, like, I could, it was, it was actually very, um, I hate the word triggering because I think it's been trivialized, Mm. but it truly was a triggering experience for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, uh, I really struggled for a while after that. And many, many of my friends I know were struggling after that, that we thought, okay, we are now in a world that is openly embracing someone who embraces sexual assault as a way of life, you know? Mm -hmm. So writing the Bromance Book Club was actually incredibly cathartic for me because I was like, I need to find a place to go in my head Mm -hmm. where I need to create a group of men who get it. A group Mm -hmm. of men who are not that kind of man. A group of men who model um, good behavior and respectful behavior and who are actively trying to undo all of these toxic lessons that they've learned over the years. And I, and I, you know, I think sometimes about that, that 13 year old kid who, who threatened 12 year old me with rape. And I, I think, you know, it's not only sad that it had an impact on me, but how sad is it that at 13 years old, this boy answer to rejection was to threaten a girl with rape. Mm-hmm. Like, where did he pick that up? Why at 13 years old was that already the lesson that he had learned? Mm-hmm. And how sad his relationships must have been throughout his life, you know, up mm-hmm. until that point. And then going forward, what kind of relationships did he have with women Yeah. at that point? Um, 
what kind of twisted attitudes did he have about intimacy and vulnerability? Um, and so writing, you know, the Bromance Book Club was, even though it's a, even though it's a comedy and it, there are moments of absolute ridiculousness, <laughs> um, it actually though was, it actually had a very serious um, message mm -hmm. in it. And that was that I was fed up. I know a lot of women were fed up. We continue to be fed up. Yeah. And basically the message is guys, you don't have to be like this. Like, do you, like, do you simply need a new model for how you can interact with each other as friends so that the sexual degradation of women is not your, the mm -hmm. underpinning of your bonding? Like mm -hmm. maybe you just need to know what that looks like, you know, so mm -hmm. you can figure out how to do it better. And, um, and it has been, like I said, extremely cathartic. Um, and the messages that I've gotten in response from people have been, you know, I'm, I'm blown away by how supportive people have been with this concept. Yeah. It was probably a long-winded answer that you <laughs> more than no, wanted, but... Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, and thank you for sharing. That's a very yeah. powerful way of telling us how you got into the bromance. Mm -hmm. And yeah. like you said, I think every woman out there and every, everybody who presents as female, you know, transgender mm -hmm. people, they all have faced these sorts of things. And yes. it's heartbreaking. And it I have is. read a lot of authors um, who've talked about how the 2016 election was their breaking point. Mm -hmm. And yep. so the book like Red, White, and Royally Blue, which I mm -hmm. absolutely love, yep. and talks about how she pulled to the side of the road. And that was her epiphany moment when she heard the election results. And that was yep. how she or they wrote their book. Um, and I know yeah. that a bunch of other romance authors mm -hmm. and just authors in general, the same thing yeah. happened. I think- Sarah McLean has an interesting story about that too, where yeah. um, the, I just think, was it the Day of the Duchess? Yeah, it was, was Day of the, the Duchess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where she talks about how um, the hero in that book was actually going to be quite different. And then the, the, you know, then the 2016 election happened and she called her editor and she said, I can't write him like this. I've mm -hmm. got to redo, you know, I need to start over. He needs to be the biggest cinnamon roll that ever lived. Oh, I love it. You know, and, and, and it was, I, I adore that book's amazing. I it's love that so book. And, and it was exactly what she needed to write. It was what I needed to read. And I think, um, I think we're still going through that as, yeah. as, as, you know, as, um, as people right now that we're still seeking some, you know, cathartic reading material. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely cathartic for me as a reader to, to visit this world and have men that first of all, know how to behave and are just mm -hmm. so positive and nice to each other and are nice to other women and right and they're willing yeah. to talk and to learn and yeah. to kind of address their problem mm -hmm. the character of hop in the second book yeah. mm -hmm. he reminds me so i was raised in a toxic household like very toxic masculinity all this mm -hmm. sort of stuff and so he reminds me a lot of like the male figures i had growing up mm -hmm. and right. to see him go through this journey of like realizing that he needs to not better himself but to do better um right. And to be better for Rosie, I think was just so, it made me so happy to see that. And mm -hmm. I have a nephew who's four years old and I'm really trying to kind of take some of the things I've learned from bromance about like, cause I have no idea what the male perspective is in life. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what they do. <laughs> no, no idea. I don't know. But I'm really trying to like instill in him these ideas of it's okay to be emotional. It's okay to right. talk about your feelings. It's okay to say no and to respect when other people say no. Mm -hmm. And I have a prepubescent mm -hmm. niece who's like just about to turn 12 and it's terrifying. And yeah it's at the same time teaching her that you can say no if somebody treats you like this this is not okay and let's have a conversation right. about it 
and I love that we're seeing that reflected so much in literature in your books and in other romance books in YA and just across the yeah. spectrum. It's just so refreshing to read these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. It is. And I, you know, I find myself, you know, so drawn to the stories of, well, for example, I, I mentioned the other day, you know, Tessa Dare is like mm. my, oh my gosh, my gold Tessa standard. Dare so much. And, <laughs> you know, her guys, you know, the guys that she writes, they go through a lot of these same processes, you know, that they, of course, it's set in Regency England. So they are all constricted, you know, by the, you know, societal norms of that time in her world. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are guys who are willing to break those, you know, those rules who, um, you know, and, and find equality in their relationships with, with, um, you know, their love interest. And, and I, I just, I adore the way that she writes her heroes. Um, and I think that is one of the reasons why she's my favorite is because I just, her heroes are so, um, you know, they, they always treat their relationships or the people in that, you know, that they're partners on, on such a respectful level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, Spindle Cove, Spinster Cove is like Love one it. of the okay. best romance series Love it. out it's there. one of my favorites. You were Seriously. talking about that the other night and you couldn't see me behind the camera, but I was like... Oh. <laughs> I love that series so much. I love that series. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So good. What other romance authors do you like to read? So I do read a lot of historical. Mm -hmm. Um, I, of course, I, I think one of my, you know, I was like everyone that I was one of those original Julia Quinn fans, you know, when her first book came out, I mean, I bought it. So I read the entire Julia Quinn, you know, series, but I'm, um, I'm a big fan of Shanna Galen. Um, okay. She's also a historical author. I really love her stuff. Um, contem- um, oh my gosh, I could, how, how long do I have to list all the authors I love? Let's but just my, <laughs> Yeah, let's just go. So, um, so historical, oh my gosh, I read so many. Um, my favorite right now, um, the, or my new favorite historical right now is an author named Harper St. George. Okay. And it probably seems like, I, I mean, a little self- um, um, like that I'm, that I'm promoting Berkeley, but she really is a Berkeley author. I mean, I, so mm-hmm. it's not, you know, <laughs> she, um, her, her second book comes out this summer. I, um, was able to read an article. Eris gets a Duke. Yes. Eris I have it on my yeah, shelf right now. <laughs> so Sorry. I got good. excited. Oh my gosh. It's so good. And that first one, um, again, kind of some of the stuff we're talking about, like it's a, uh, you know, the, the, the heroine in that book, you know, just is rejecting this notion that a woman should marry Mm -hmm. for money that like this idea of, you know, that women need to marry to further the family's, you know, status. And, um, it, she's a phenomenal writer. So Harper St. George, anything she writes from this point forward, I will forever read. Um, Alexa Martin and the contemporary. So good. We read the book club um February 2020 so right before everything because Super Bowl uh-huh. and we're like we want yeah, that's romance. right yeah yeah the book club loved her so much I could not keep her books on my shelf like oh, there great. was such a waiting list throughout the county just because everybody loved her and it's just so <laughs> so, so much fun yeah oh her books are amazing and she touches on some issues you know yeah. again the very serious issues um my a new one another one that I just would love to promote to tell people to read is a, an author named Kara um Kara Bastone B-A-S-T-O-N-E is the last name um she writes contemporary contemporary series actually she's incredibly prolific she writes she has a whole series that's an audible original series that. so it's just you know um just an you know just an audiobook although I think they're going to be in print soon 
but um, she, again, I know it sounds self-serving, but the reason I discovered her was she and I have the same agent and my agent sent me an arc of this book um, before the first book before it came out um, called Just a Heartbeat Away. And I cracked, made the mistake of, of like peeking at it. I said, well, I'm going to peek at it at like 10 o'clock at night, you know, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. She is the most phenomenal writer, probably the best new writer I've read in wow. years, okay. in absolute okay. years. Her use of language, the, her use of description, her pacing and the characters that she creates. Unbelievable. I mean, I am like, I, I've told her, like, I'm now your biggest fan, so. <laughs> well, I guess I'll have to add those to the list now. So, yes, Karen Bestone, everyone, please go okay. read her. <laughs> I will definitely link all these two in the show notes for everybody so they can Perfect. clickety-click away and do the thing Perfect. and buy the thing and support the author. All good things. <laughs> yes. Do you ever read anything outside of romance? Do you have time? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I know. Gosh, I used to so much. Surprisingly, when I do have time to, you know, to read outside of romance, um, I either pick up, um, uh, nonfiction mm-hmm. or, um, historical fiction mm-hmm. tend to be the two that I, I definitely, and also the nonfiction tends to be historical nonfiction. I'm a huge history nerd. Oh my gosh. I'm such yes. a nerd. Um, yeah, yeah. Like my, like my dream vacation are like to trace like historical paths and I'm such a nerd. We could talk forever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but like one book I just picked up, um, well not just, it was a year ago, but that's how much, you know, reading I get to, um, called fall, the fallout. And it was about, um, the journalist for the New Yorker who broke, um, the story about the real impact of the um, nuclear bombs in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The United States government had been really keeping it secret how devastating the long-term effects of the radioactive fallout was on Mm. the citizens of Japan. And this reporter for The New Yorker um, wrote a story called The Fallout that just you know, open the world's eyes to how horrible, you know, the long-term effects of nuclear bombs are and um, really sort of kicked off the anti-nuclear, you know, um, movement. So um, that is, oh my gosh, was such a fascinating book because it was partly about how he reported the story and it was partly about him as a journalist and, um, you know, and about how the government tried to, you know, keep this a secret. And, and so anyway, that was, I highly recommend that to anyone who's either a history nerd or a journalism nerd or just really likes a good story because it was okay. written really well. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, we don't often talk about nonfiction for kind of obvious reasons on here. Yeah. Um, we always love book recommendations and that sounds like it's a really good one. Mm-hmm. I know of some so people good. at the library who would love it. So thank you. Again, I'm a history nerd and a journalism nerd. Yes. So yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> there you go. So you were a journalist for 20 years, you said. Um, did you like kind of start writing romance or like jotting down some romance notes while you were a journalist? Yeah, it was, I mean, basically the, you know, fiction writing, the romance writing was like my hobby after mm-hmm. work, you know, it was what I did um, to, you know, to relax, you know, so like I would do a lot of, um, you know, when I was working full time, I, I had writer friends and we would meet up on Saturdays, you know, to write or to attend an RWA meeting or, mm-hmm. so yeah, it was, um, it was, it was my hobby at that point. I knew I wanted it to be more than a hobby, but mm-hmm. um 
you know, I didn't, yeah. So it took me a while, but. (laughs) And then it would have been post 20. I'm just establishing the timeline. Oh, sure. (laughs) 2016 was when you kind of sat down and you were like, I'm going to make this a thing. And you started writing bromance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, I, um, I had a couple of novellas, self-published novellas out at that point. Um, I am not good at indie publishing. Some people are so good at it. They've got all the skills. I was not one of them. Um, I was just like, man, I have to talk about my book again. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't want to hype myself. <laughs> I don't want to do this. Um, yes. Yeah, so well, and I've already established that I'm terrible at titles and, and covers. So, you know, um, so after the, yeah, so it was after that where I felt like I was kind of churning my, you know, um, spinning my wheels a little bit and I needed to go to a place in my head that was soft and yeah, <laughs> oh, progressive happy. Yeah. and happy with really mm-hmm. good men. And so that's when I wrote Romance. And the, mm-hmm. the crazy thing is though, is that how it got, how I pitched it. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I tend to be a little bit impulsive sometimes. Okay. Um, I pitched it on Twitter oh. um, before the book was written. Okay. <gasps> yes. Oh. <laughs> it was a Twitter, it was a Twitter oh pitch fest. You know, like I do a lot of those yeah. people, like yeah. writers can pitch their ideas on Twitter. And um, Corinna Press um, was mm-hmm. hosting a Twitter pitch session for people who just simply had good ideas. The, the books mm-hmm. didn't have to be written. They were opened up, open up to just ideas. And being impulsive, I was like, you know what? what do I have to lose? So I threw, I mean, I, at that point had maybe 10 pages written. Mm-hmm. And so I threw the idea up on Twitter and, um, well, basically the rest is history. Yeah. My agent saw the tweet and she reached out to me and she said, are you represented? And I said, no. And, um, she wanted to see what I had written. And so she bought it on proposal and then we sent it out. We started sending out wide on mm-hmm. proposal and Berkeley bought it on proposal. Wow. So. Awesome. That's like, I think the dream right there. It kind of was, and it was yeah. really intimidating too. Like I, I had like the worst case of imposter syndrome for oh, a while I where I was I like, Oh that. my yeah. gosh. <laughs> yeah. It's just such a cool origin story. I it never is. would have guessed that. Cause it feels so well done. Like <laughs> it feels like it, it came out at the perfect time, the perfect yeah. story. And just obviously we know like more went into it, but it just feels right. like it was one of those things that was meant to be. Mm-hmm. The timing really did help. I think people were just desperate for stories. Yeah. First of all, they were desperate for rom-coms. I mean, yeah. Yeah, right. people were just look, begging for happy stories at yes. that point in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I think they were looking for stories about men who were trying to be better, yeah. <laughs> better men. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, it was the timing was definitely right, I think. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we can go into like a little bit more of like the origin story of romance. Yeah. The what made you choose Nashville as a setting? It's one of my favorite cities. And the second I saw that, I was like, I love Nashville. That's very I know Nashville is the greatest. Oh, it is such a fun city. So fun. Um, even if you're not a country music fan, like oh, Nashville yeah. is just a really cool place, it you is. know. There's something um, for everyone, and the food is top notch. Oh my gosh, the food, like, which is really what I, I travel for food, food yes. and history or what yes. my various travels are about. Um, so it's, but it's actually a very boring story about why I chose Nashville <laughs> <laughs> because Gavin was a baseball player. I, the original idea for bromance was that every single guy on the team or on the book club would be, you know, on this baseball team. And so 
um, I wanted to pick a major U.S. city mm-hmm. that didn't already have a major league baseball team. Mm-hmm. And Nashville does not. They've got several other, you know, professional sports leagues, but they don't have a major league baseball team. So, um, so I selected Nashville for that reason. Um, but then when Berkeley bought it, one of their suggestions back was, hey, do you think we could expand this beyond just baseball players? Could we make this a little bit broader so it's not just so it doesn't get sort of shelved as sports romance? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was all for that. I was like, heck yeah, that sounds great. I would love to write a variety of characters. So, mm-hmm. um, but, but having it in Nashville has been really great because it is such a vibrant city and, and um, it has just provided me with a lot of... Um, a lot of fodder for for great characters and great storylines it's such a diverse city too you can have mm-hmm. everything from the pro sports to the nightclub owner like mac right. to right. the country music superstar like colton right <laughs> to the player from russia yeah right. art just all these to people. an artsy coffee shop cat cafe mm-hmm. owner yeah, yeah. Like a you know, restaurant. It's just a great mm-hmm. great yeah. city yeah and and yes if you've never been to nashville if you just simply like food it's a great place to go because I had some of the had some of the best food in my life in that city. <laughs> I'll have to link it in the show notes. But if anybody's ever going, there is a diner that's like up on a ridge outside of the city. They have an airstream that's there, a pool, like oh my gosh, a bowling alley, like a full bowling alley. How have it I never been to that? So cool, and it has the best view, like over the river, the bridges, the city. I want to say it's sunny side, but I don't think it is. Okay. Well, I want to go back because apparently Dolly Parton just opened a rooftop bar and restaurant. And I'm like, well, I'm there. If Dolly's there, I'll be there. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Will Colton maybe meet Dolly Parton in his book? Oh, I totally should have him meet Dolly Parton in his book. I had not planned on that, but now obviously it needs to happen. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. I feel so cool right now. (laughs) <laughs> if it doesn't happen it's okay but if it does okay anyway. he is a dolly parton fan that already I knew existed. it okay. yeah who isn't a dolly parton fan oh, jen, right. jen you're a dolly parton fan right i love dolly parton are you kidding okay. i've listened to jolene like 123 times on my itunes i have like good. three of the remixes okay good <laughs> Like only bad people are not fans of Dolly Parton. This is very yeah. How many cool? Like she's just such exactly. a cool person. She's incredible. I don't Thanks trust. Lady. I don't trust anyone who doesn't like dogs, and I don't trust anyone who doesn't like Dolly Parton. Amen. I think those are the right? best life rules. Yes. Right. Good rules to have. <laughs> <laughs> so besides Dolly Parton in Nashville, where else do you draw <laughs> your sources of inspiration from for your character, for your storylines? Well, and obviously the Me Too stuff, but like any right. other like fun things that kind of make themselves known? You know, it's so funny. Sometimes I draw inspiration from just for scenes from, you know, little tidbits, little things I see in the news or, or, you know, experiences I've had in my life. I, I definitely, any strange animal that ever shows up in my book is definitely based <laughs> on a real animal. I will Randy I guarantee the that. Randy the rooster is a real rooster who lives at my parents' house. They live on 10 acres out in the middle of nowhere and they've got 27 chickens, I think now, 27. Wow. And one of them is Randy the rooster and he's the <laughs> biggest jerk animal on the mm. planet. My daughter has to carry a tennis racket around the, <laughs> the property because he comes out of nowhere and he chased, they, they have, my parents have a golf cart cause you know, they're getting older and they don't want to walk 10 acres. Mm-hmm. And so they drive a golf cart around and, um, 
you know, to check on their like trail cams and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he chases the dog. <laughs> he will chase the golf cart. Like he's just the most ridiculous animal. Um, but I also draw a lot of inspiration from locations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you know, even if, you know, even though I don't live in Nashville, you know, um, the, I draw a lot of inspiration from experiences that I've had in other cities or in other, you know, Michigan in particular. I mean, I'm actually, a, I love my Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, it's once you get above the sort of, you know, industrial part of it, like north of mm -hmm. the industrial part of yeah. it, it's, it's just the most gorgeous state, absolutely gorgeous. And so, mm -hmm. um, so setting, you know, I try to draw some inspiration from that, but, you know, I just kind of, I get ideas just by looking around the world, to be honest. Mm -hmm. You know, there are story ideas everywhere. I was just thinking there's a really good, uh, it's on Kindle Unlimited romance series that I read uh, by Melanie Harlow. Uh, it's the After oh. Fall series. And I think it's set yep. in the Upper Peninsula. There, Yeah, there's a couple of series. Um, there's one by um, uh, Mara. Um, my God, I'm totally blanking on everyone's names. There's two different, there's two different, Mara Jacobs. Is mm -hmm. I know her by your real name. That's her pen name. Mara Jacobs is her pen name. So I was like, I couldn't, just couldn't get past her real name. Yes. Um, but that's set in the Upper Peninsula. Um, there is a, a series by Tracy Brogan that is set um, on what's, it's not called Mackinac Island, but it's uh, based on a fictional, it's a fictional version of our Mackinac mm -hmm. Island. Okay. Um, and then also um, Susan Elizabeth Phillips, who's like my yeah. all-time favorite author. She's a classic, um, yes. Yes, she does a lot of stuff on Lake Michigan and up in Michigan, um, you know, because Chicago's on Lake Michigan. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it's just a beautiful. It's a I love, I love my my state. Mm -hmm. I I'm very I'm very much pro Michigan. <laughs> That's like me and Jen. Whenever somebody downstate says they're from upstate New York, and we're like, no, you're from Hudson Valley. Yeah, That's come down. Upstate New York. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be North of <laughs> Right. I mean, I think every state has that thing that they do. Oh, yeah. Just, oh, yeah. It's so fun how romance authors can take the places that really inspire them, the places they love, and they can make everybody mm -hmm. else love it or love hate it, it in the yeah. same way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I now want to go visit a winery in the Upper Peninsula. It's, I mean, oh. I want to visit wineries you everywhere. But you should. Is. Trust me, you should. It's amazing up there. <laughs> I will do that. Um, so we talked about where you get your inspiration from. Mm -hmm. What about, what do you do when you get writer's block? Cause then yeah. I know it oh, happens. <laughs> right. Oh gosh. You know, besides, um, you know, being, you know, deciding that I right now immediately need to clean out my closets and things like that. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I have lots of procrastination ideas. Um, but for me, it's usually that when I find myself really stuck in a story, it's, it's usually for one of a, handful of reasons. And so I have to kind of peel back the layers and find out, you know, where I've gone wrong. And either it's because I have not um, gotten to know the character well enough that I'm, I'm struggling to figure out what they would do or say in a particular situation, or I put them, I'm trying to force them into a situation for plot reasons that just aren't right, you know. So I often go back and like sort of dig into the character a little bit more, their backstory, make sure I've got their goals down, you know, the way I want them. Um, sometimes I realize that I need to change the location. Sometimes I get realized my character has been like stuck in a basement for two weeks or you know, like <laughs> there's a reason take them, get them out of the basement. The scene's not working there. Um, but the hardest thing to learn, I think 
because writing is hard that you, you know, mm -hmm. you kind of, you know, want to protect every word that you manage to wrench out of your brain. But sometimes we're blocked because just whatever we've written needs to go. Mm -hmm. And, and that's really painful, but sometimes, you know, after a certain amount of, you know, time has passed and you're still stuck, it's like, yeah, actually, I think maybe I just need to delete this last two chapters because Aww. it's mm -hmm. not right, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but the other thing I do tend to do is I will allow myself a break. Mm -hmm. You know, if my brain is tired and my brain does get tired, mm -hmm. you know, I'll just be like, you know what? I'm going to read for the next day tomorrow I'm just gonna read and just kind of like recharge that creative brain a little bit you know mm -hmm. um and that always seems to work um but I will say that the biggest cure for writer's block is a deadline it's fun to see authors who are so yeah. prevalent and so well written struggling like all the little authors are at the same time it's, it, I mean, it happens to all of us. I mean, you mm -hmm. just, it, I mean, it, the, the vision that we have in our head is hard to translate onto the page, you know, mm -hmm. and, and um, sometimes it's not very pretty when we try to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, too, you were talking the other night about how you kind of have an interesting way that you go about writing your stories too. Um, and you talked about this on another podcast too. I don't remember the podcast I listened to. I feel bad. Um, but you, you write scenes. You don't write linear. You write like, you kind of break it up and write all over the place. Can you talk about yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. You called it an interesting way of writing. I think that's a very kind way to describe it. Cause most, I think Chaotic. most, I think, right. Most authors would look at it and say, you are nuts. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, it's very chaotic, but it just, it just works for me. So what yeah. I do is, um, when I'm writing the first draft in particular is when I'm like this, for me, what I have to do is just, I just have to get words down. Mm. And if I don't get words down every single day, then I start to get sort of, I start to feel really like a lot of pressure that I'm not producing. Mm -hmm. And so what I've learned to do is give myself permission to just jump all over the place, right? Like today I might be working on chapter two, something that'll go early in the book. Tomorrow I might be writing on something that happens in the last third of the book. Um, mm -hmm. The point of it is, is to just let my brain go and just start writing these scenes as they come to me. Cause I think, I think like most authors, you know, when we first start thinking about our books, you know, that, that movie sort of plays in our head for mm -hmm. a little while, you know, we're kind of thinking about the characters and the situations they might get into and how the plot might progress. Um, but for me, I find the most, I tend to discover things as I'm writing. And so like just today I wrote, you know, a couple thousand words this morning and mm -hmm. um, I had, you know, just sort of what I call like this boom movement, you know, movement, like where um, I wrote something and I stopped and I was like, oh my God, that's it. Exactly. That's exactly what his problem is. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, I was able to then jump back into the scene, like way at the beginning where I was like, you know, I just wrote in all caps, you know, what I had just written, like, this is the thing right here. This yeah. is what his entire storyline's about. Mm -hmm. And, and those kinds of discoveries happen when I allow myself to just kind of write in a chaotic jump around way, you know? Love it. Um, now when it gets time to revisions, yeah, then I try to go a little bit more in order, mm -hmm. but, yes. um, yes. yeah. That's fun. So I am so excited for Vlad, especially because he's going to be a, a male romance author. Mm -hmm. Yes. Is he 
so how much of your own experience in writing did you put into Vlad or is he like the perfect author you know like is he the author oh no he is not the perfect author oh no 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 <laughs> oh I can't wait. Yeah, some of the funny scenes are when the guys are trying to help him because he's he kind he gets some writer's block, and so the guys are like, "Oh, we'll help you." (laughs) So you can imagine that is interesting. So I did put some of the writer experience in there, like some of the thoughts that he has when the guys are like trying to offer him suggestions, where he's like, "Oh, gee, I never thought of that. Thanks." Mm -hmm. You know, like so. There's a little bit of tongue in cheek about some of the things that that people say to authors, you know, to Mm -hmm. writers that they're like. Okay, oh, sure. Yeah, wow, definitely thanks. that easy. Thanks, you know. <laughs> um, so there's some of that, but he's, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, they they kind of help him um, figure out, you know, some of, of why he has hit a wall, why he's, you know, having writer's block. And um, it's fun. I, it is a little bit of a peek behind the curtain of what it's like to write a book. That's exciting. You know, mm-hmm. um, how he's trying to figure things out. I'm just so excited for a male romance author in general. I feel like the one or two I've read have been very bad. Like bad, them. They just, bad sex awards. They can't, they can't. Well, I don't even consider those people romance though. Cause I feel mm-hmm. like men have very weird ideas about romance. I've read a bunch of articles like about Nicholas Sparks or Richard Paul Evans. Mm-hmm. And they have kind of these, I'm trying to think of a nice way to notions. put it. They have these, there we go, preconceived notions that mm-hmm. they write love stories because right, there's some kind of difference between that and a romance. So honestly, Vlad, I think, yeah, go ahead. Is he a, oh, no, that's okay. I was wondering, does Vlad write love stories or does he write romance? And is there he a real difference? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, you know, he says, I'm writing a romance novel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, so he is exciting. a romance writer and he, I mean, his, that's his genre. Romance is mm-hmm. his thing, you know? Um, and, uh, uh, and the guys have to, but the guys do have to school him a couple of times because like the way he, for example, something he wants to do in the book, they're like, you can't do that in a romance novel. <laughs> like, what are you doing? You know, um, so, you know, and he gets a little defensive, but um, yeah, he's, he's a romance author. I mean, that's, you know, that's who he is. So excited. So it, something you do in your books too that's really fun is you do the book within a book concept where the right. book that they're reading for book club you put excerpts of that into the acting mm-hmm. line so are we going to be able to see is it vlad's book that he's writing yes. yeah yay oh my god that's oh, awesome. gonna be so cool. <laughs> i love it that's so, awesome. so fun in a book is vlad's book yeah the book oh, that he's writing that is great. yeah that is great. Mm-hmm. Is it was fun gonna- it was fun I'm so excited. Is he kind of going to be a guidebook for how other men can write romance? Are you, because you've already inspired so many men with their own book clubs. Yeah. Do you think maybe you might get a little trend of, of male authors following in your footsteps? That would be great. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, but, but I, I, I think you're right though. I think that there's, for one thing, I think some guys like Nicholas Sparks, they don't want to call themselves a romance writer yeah. because they're not supposed to be right. Men aren't supposed to write and read romance. That's not for them. Sure. You know? Right, right. That's a woman thing. That's a, yeah. that's a mm-hmm. chick thing, you know. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I think one of my goal with these books is, yes, I want to sort of start opening more societal pressure for or opening more societal permission for guys to read mm-hmm. romance. But then, yes, also, why not write it? You know, I yeah. mean, um, I I know of a couple of guys who are writing romance novels right now and um, uh and they're, you know, are very respectful, both of them, about understanding that they're walking into what has been a woman-dominated field, uh, an industry that was created by and held up by women. 
Um, and, and you don't always, sometimes you get guys who, who come into romance because they heard there's money to be made. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get guys who are a little bit creepy and you're like, you actually just want to <laughs> be able to sit and talk about sex with other women in the, with yeah. women in the room. Right. Like, like you can kind of, you know, you start to, you know, you develop a filter as a, you know, as a, as an author about who's serious as a writer and respects the genre and who has an ulterior motive. Mm -hmm. okay. um, but I have been able to meet some guys who are actually very serious and actually really respect nice. the genre. And, and um, one's a great guy. He was a, he's a former professional baseball player, in fact. Oh, um, yeah. And so, oh it's yeah. Gavin. And he loves, he just loves the genre. And, yeah. and, um, mm -hmm. and he's very respectful about, you know, I don't want to, start tramping all over, you know, what have been female spaces. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I think that that's really kind of nice, you know, that, that he's really very exciting. respectful about how he's going about it. Um, mm -hmm. But the thing is, the world can only benefit from men embracing stories about mm -hmm. vulnerability mm -hmm. and, um, you know, hu real human emotion, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's something we talk about a lot in this podcast is the stigma associated with romance yeah. and right. how a lot of people consider it smut or fluff or stuff right. like that. What, what would you say to someone if they walked up to you and said, oh, romance is just smut. It's just fluff. Yeah. Well, I automatically assume they haven't actually read anything. Right. And so yeah. my, one of the first things I say to them is, well, what's the last book? Like how many romances have you read? What was the last author you read? What was the last romance book you read? And in, inevitably the people who have that, that, that sort of negative stereotype of romance are people who've never read one, mm -hmm. Yeah. you know, that they're depending, you know, they're basing their opinion completely on something they've heard or they read one 40 years ago and didn't oh, like it. God. And so therefore Flame every the romance ever <laughs> written must be terrible. Is it like, yeah. because I hated the first Tom Clancy book I read in 1990, like that all spy novels must suck. Be bad. Right. Yeah. You know, but it's terrible. the same thing. Like they, they, they still approach it that way. Yeah. Um, and so if I, but if someone is, is truly interested in having their mind changed, what I just say to them is, is that, listen, you know, the, the reason you, you need to accept that the reason you have this negative stereotype about romance novels is because you've been told to, mm -hmm. yeah. because this is a genre that, you know, until recently has been a genre written by and for women and therefore yeah. society needs to make fun of it. Because exactly. Lord knows anything that's for women must be trivial. Yeah. And that if you can accept that your, that, that your low opinion of it until now has been based on pure age-old classic misogyny patriarchy and I, yes and i'm willing to have a conversation with you mm -hmm. to change your mind and i'm willing to direct you some, yeah. to some books that will change your mind um but that romance is the only genre that celebrates women's lives in a way that treats women as a whole human being mm -hmm. yeah um that that it, that celebrates our inner lives as just as important as what mm -hmm. we contribute to society, as, as, as what men contribute to society, mm -hmm. as um, women always win. There's nothing shameful about women having ambition in romance. Mm -hmm. There's nothing shameful in romance about um, women embracing sexuality. Um, and so there's just this um, both um, 
inherent and blatant feminism to it mm-hmm. that uh, people who have negative stereotypes about romance need to be made aware of. <laughs> I think that's an amazing point because thinking of that Tom Clancy book, nobody ever makes fun of Tom Clancy books for having like male fantasies. No, because that's James a male Pat, fantasy. No. You're not. Oh, right. You're not ever gonna like. Why don't we yell at men? You're not actually gonna be James Bond. No. You're not gonna drive a car like the guys in Fast and the Furious. No, <laughs> no one ever. Right. You know, I think one of the things that just makes me the the, the angriest, the stereotype mm-hmm. that we hear about about romance is that it gives somehow it gives unrealistic expectations Expectation. about mm-hmm. about relationships. And I always think, well, what what is unrealistic about demanding equality in a relationship? What is unrealistic mm-hmm. about open communication? What is unrealistic about satisfying sexual encounters? Like it's such a self-own when men in particular talk about how romance creates unrealistic expectations for yeah. women. Cause what it says to me is, well, I sounds like you're not very good at pleasing women. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but like, my gosh, yep. you don't have very, like this, your, your, your standards aren't mm-hmm. real high there for yourself. Yeah. So, um, but the other thing that I think makes me mad is that we don't apply that same standard to any other genre. No. We don't say that men who read Jack Reacher novels are going to turn into, I don't know, killer? What are they? I mean, or men who like horror are going to suddenly become serial killers. Yeah. Yeah. Supposedly women who read romance are going to have unrealistic expectations about what they can have in a mm-hmm. relationship. We only do this to romance and we only do it to female readers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very true. I just want to stand up and like round of applause. Beautiful. <laughs> like, bow down. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was so eloquently put. Thank you. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> you, I'm a so, tear. Obviously, you love Romance Landia. It's we all love Romance Landia. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about it, especially after the past couple of years with like mm-hmm. Me Too? I got paid how much? Yeah. The recent social justice movement. Oh God, the RWA jumps. RWA. Fire. Oh my lord! <laughs> oh, all of our hearts. Wow, that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, so I think that what happened with RWA needed to happen. Mm -hmm. It absolutely needed to happen because even despite a lot of lip service for years now, um, the organization still was set up in a way that um, created a sense of otherness to anyone who wanted to raise issues about the lack of diversity in the publishing industry. Um, the industry, the, the, the organization had become tied too closely to the industry itself. The, the organ, the organization had so that it was like very dependent on the support of publishers. Mm-hmm. And when you're that much dependent on their financial support to put on your conference and to, you know, then you are going to, you know, have some issues with, um, you know, being, an advocate for authors when, when problems arise. And so the, the shakeup at RWA had to happen. Yeah. Um, we have not gone far enough yet in publishing. Now there are great strides being made. Like for example, my own editor um, is, you know, I'm just so happy with some of the, the you know, um, books that she's acquired and the authors that she's acquired. Her list is incredibly diverse. Um, but we, we're not there yet. And Mm -hmm. until, um, let me put it this way. I've, you guys asked me the night and I've been asked when will the romance book club have, um, 
you know, an LGBTQ storyline. Mm -hmm. I have a character. Oh gosh, I want to write so bad. He has lived in my head for years and, and he would be the absolute perfect addition to a bromance book club series. The problem is if Berkeley is willing to put money behind a major series mm -hmm. to tell an LGBTQ storyline, that money and that shelf space and that marketing support needs to go to an own voices author right now. Yeah. Maybe in five years, there will be a little bit more equality so that mm -hmm. I'm not taking up space that should go to somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, but right now we still are not seeing enough yeah. being done. And those, and, and books by anyone other than white, cisgender, heterosexual people are still being sort of segregated as the other books, mm -hmm. right? It's mm -hmm. not the default in romance, mm -hmm. that there seems to be a default setting still. And I am white, I'm cisgender, I'm heterosexual. The, I'm comfortable telling those stories. I'm not comfortable right now taking up space, telling the stories of someone who could be telling their own story in a yeah, way that's mm -hmm. authentic, that is respectful. Mm -hmm. um, and until we get there, you know, I, I really feel like we have a long way to go yeah. um, in, in really um, uh, living up to what we say, which is that happy ever afters are for everyone. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, we still don't see enough stories and books being published that prove that, you know, that, yeah. that, that, that guarantee that. But I think that the success of some of the books like, um, like Red, White, and Royal Blue, yeah. you know, even though it's hardly the only LGBTQ story out there, <laughs> its success, I think, is a, a wonderful symbol to, mm -hmm. and a wonderful sign to the publishing industry. There is a market for this. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. A love story is a love story. A romance is a romance. And, and people will read it. And they don't have to also be gay. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, you don't have to be gay to love that book, you know. Mm -hmm. Even um, not just contemporary, across the board, too, with historical, yes. like, Song of Achilles. That thing, is, uh, yes. it will make you cry. So yes. And then there's yes, yes, Kat yes. Sebastian, who writes Cat Sebastian. Regency. Mm -hmm. Vanessa Riley writes inclusive romances. Yes. Um, yep. Alyssa Cole writes contemporary, which are almost like mm -hmm. fantastical like Wakanda meets Anastasia yes, I love, I love so her I, I love everything she writes I mean yes. my gosh she can, mm -hmm. I mean her historicals her civil war series oh, was so amazing good. yes oh my gosh you know yeah so I think what you know the success of those authors I think hopefully you know has opened the eyes of publishers that um you know that they're that people people will read any story any good story you give them yeah mm -hmm. um but we're still not quite there yet. Um, but there are a lot of um, other layers to getting into the industry um, that starts right down to at, at the most basic level. And that gets it back to RWA. Mm -hmm. Do authors of color feel comfortable walking into an RWA meeting? And it's at those RWA meetings where people were meeting agents and editors, where they were meeting and networking mm -hmm. with other published authors, where they were learning the tricks of the trade. Mm -hmm. And if, if at the very basic level, a person of color didn't feel comfortable walking into that room, then it's not even just the fault of the publishers at this point. We, like the entire yeah. industry needs to re-examine the mm -hmm. ladder that we put in place to get mm -hmm. published that has been shutting the door to anyone other than white cisgender heterosexual stories. Yeah, that's very well said, thank you. <laughs> and it's very true too. I think that so Jen and I read a lot of Kindle Unlimited. That's like 
we read um, some interesting things that even go mm. beyond um, that. We read a lot of Blue Aliens. <laughs> Love awesome. it. Okay. Yes, great. Yes, always great. So, and I think that if publishers could see how popular, like, those out of the world, literally, romances yeah. were, that if they could just focus on publishing what is even more of a realistic romance, whether it be right. LGBTQI+, whether it be multiracial, uh, in mm-hmm. whatever, I think that if we could just put a call to arms to the publishers, yes. that we mm-hmm. will read this. We will buy yes. this. Yeah. And yeah. we will love it just as much mm-hmm. as we love the Tessa Dares and the Julia right. Quinns. It'll be right. It'll be a good world. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just as librarians, we definitely go way out of our way to buy those. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. the sad thing is there's just not a lot available through mainstream. And it's very difficult for mm-hmm. librarians to get the indie publishing the indie. stuff. Yeah, I, that, yeah, we just don't have again, networks think, for that. You know, that's actually another ex- a great example mm-hmm. of how this is an industry-wide issue. Yeah. That, you know, so many, um, you know, uh, authors of color and authors uh, who are who are part of the LGBT community have had mm-hmm. humongous success in, in yeah. publishing. But the gatekeepers outside of industry publishing have made it difficult for them to get into libraries, right. to get into bookstores, mm-hmm. to, you know, and so it, there's still these doors that have to be wrenched open. And really, I don't understand why it's so hard to open them. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe I'm naive, but, you know, why is it so hard to get indie books into libraries? Why, you mm-hmm. know, so we, we, there, there's just a multi-level examination that needs to happen that is that has has until now um been closing doors Mm -hmm. to to authors of color and and into the into the stories that need to be told but I think one statistic that blew me away a few years ago and I I don't know for all I know it's still true is that there were more shapeshifter books that were published one year yeah Mm -hmm. than books about you know black couples and I thought Mm -hmm. wait a minute you think it's (laughs) wait 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 wait. it's you, you think it's yeah. more realistic, like people are, there's a bigger audience for people sleeping with bears than, than like, that is ridiculous. Like, so <laughs> Ice Planet Barbarian. Ice Planet Barbarian. She's really good. Ruby yes. Dixon's amazing. So Ruby Dixon is Kindle Unlimited author. You said shapeshifters. And I was like, I got to yes. break out the aliens now. Um, and it is set on another planet. It is not Hoth because it's an ice planet. So they call it Hoth, but it's not Hoth. So it's not Hoth. But it's not. Okay. They are blue aliens with tails. Their penises have a little spur and they purr. They purr? They purr because it's faded mate. Or the, I mean, kind of. They have like a parasite. It's like, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. But like, and this is. Her most recent book came out. Yeah, it's so fun to explain to people who've never come across it. Wow, that's intense. But her most recent book came out and it hit number one Amazon bestseller in like a matter of hours. And it's that, I mean, as much as I love it, I love her, them. We don't even know who, it's a pen name. We don't even know who writes it, to be honest. Um, But it goes back to what I was saying is if shapeshifters, if aliens can top the charts, Mm -hmm. then why aren't realistic realistic stories topping the charts? Yeah, it's, I mean, we've got a really long way to go, really long way to go. The best thing I can do as, you know, as a white cisgender um, heterosexual author is to just make sure that I'm constantly making space and using my platform that I have 
to remind publishers and people who run conferences and, you know, anywhere I go that, you know, have, have you considered, uh, you know, a, a, a black author for this? Have you considered an LBGQ author for this or book for this, you know, placement? Um, and so, um, and to not take up space. I need yeah. to not take up space that should and could and can go to someone else. That's an excellent point of let it go to someone else. Don't feel that you mm -hmm. have to be the one to write that story. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of the Young Voices movement is, is you know, we've, we've got to, we've got to be making space. And if authors like me encroach on that space, then we're not living up to what we're trying to do. Do you have any resources or even like authors you think should be shouted out that are these authors? Jack Harbour is one that I like to I, talk about. Um, he, <laughs> um, I think it's H-A-R-B-O-R. Okay. I should actually look it up on Twitter, but he, um, he writes incredible romances. Um, mm -hmm. He well, wrote a, a book called, um, I think it was called The Meat Cute Club. Is that oh, I want to read that. Yeah. It, looks it was a guy cute. who worked at a bookstore and he yeah, has a romance a book mm -hmm. club. And yeah. um, just, oh my God, that story is adorable. Yeah, um, I wanted to I think that's another indie or it was something we couldn't he's get. He's an indie library. author. Yes. Yeah. So we yeah. couldn't get it. And I wanted it for oh, the book club. Yes. Cause he's, oh yeah. It's a great, so that's one that I like to shout. I definitely okay. love to shout out. Um, an author who I think does not have enough of a platform and I will shout her name everywhere is uh, Ruby Lang. Mm, okay. um, she has a series of novellas that came out by Corinna. Um, and I think they're being reprinted maybe. I got to double check where, where she's at with that, but she has this adorable series of novellas. Um, and oh, she, okay. she was Asian, you know, Asian American characters. Yeah. Um, and again, so I feel like mm -hmm. um, she's someone who is she has a, a a very wonderful fan base but i i i would love to see her go much bigger um because her books are amazing mm -hmm. um so she's a big fan i or i'm a big fan of hers <laughs> um oh gosh oh my god so many names um that i would love to promote right now and of course i i blank on names when i put on the spot um who was i just um there was one that just came across my feed that I actually marked that I couldn't wait to read, but now I'm blanking on what it, um, it's never going to come to me now that of course we're, we're talking okay. about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> email <laughs> me later. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you know um, my email. <laughs> I do know your email, um, but yeah. Oh my gosh. The minute I get off here, of course, I'll think of like five names mm -hmm. that are probably not coming to me, but the two that I listed, I definitely, anyone who's listening, please check out their books. They're amazing writers. Just, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I love another one that I would like to recommend if you at all get on like a fantasy penchant, penchant uh -huh. is Ben Alderson. Um, oh, okay. He writes, it is gay fantasy and mm -hmm. it's supposed to be, if you love Akatar, so a court of thorns and roses, which is like my be all end all. Mm -hmm. I won't lie. Um, it's that, <laughs> but it's, with a gay couple and it's a whole trilogy mm. and it's oh. just it looks oh i love that covers really? are mm -hmm. gorgeous yeah definite recommend oh that's great yeah 
but so those are some fun ones. Thank you. That one's fun. Yeah, I I, I always I should say I I don't read a lot in sci-fi or fantasy. So whenever I make recommendations, it's always either going to be historical or it's going to be contemporary. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, good. Mine are going to be blue aliens or like <laughs> crazy horse people. You know, something along those lines. So. <laughs> right. Um, I, if anyone, but here's the thing, I'm, I need a recommendation. If anyone out there has a recommendation for a, this is so specific, you're going <laughs> to think I'm crazy, but like, I'm looking for, um, World War II, um, LGBTQ Ooh, stories, okay. romances, mm -hmm. you know, like American soldiers that, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't see a lot of that. And I, mm -hmm. um, I would love to. If that they're out so there, good. Yeah. someone send it my way. Cause I, yeah. I don't feel like I see a lot of world war two romances in general, or it's under that weird, no. like, fiction lines. I don't see any like, or it's just part of this historical yeah. fiction, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. that, yeah. Like yeah. Kate Quinn, who definitely has like romantic tones in her, like the, like yeah. the Rose code. Yeah. 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 The Rose code. Mm -hmm. Jennifer um, Robeson is another yeah. one. Yeah. 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 But yeah, that's a very good point. I'll have to keep my eye out for that sort of yeah. thing. I mean, it's a good thing you asked two librarians. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So I, I've been looking for that and I just, I haven't found it because I, mm -hmm. I said something I would really be interested in. So if it exists, someone tell me. <laughs> well, to wrap things up, we'll ask one last fun question. All right. It might be difficult, but that's okay. okay. What is the best part of being an author, especially a romance author? Oh gosh. Um, well, I mean, besides being able to work in my pajamas all day, is that like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. obviously. Um, no, honestly, and I, this is going to sound fake and it's not the absolute best part about it is, um, when readers contact me, um, it, it's a surprise every single time, you know, even now, like my fourth book about to come out for the romance series, I'm still like, surprised and elated when I get a message from someone saying, Hey, I just discovered your book and I loved it. Or, um, so just hearing from people, I think is the best, is absolutely the best part of it. Um, especially when you get, um, messages from readers who, you know, related to my book in some way, or, you know, were moved by my book in some way. Um, it, it just doesn't, nothing tops that ever, you know, so and will it's you, kind of a surprise every time. <laughs> will you read reviews of your own books or is the best way to tell you those things is to email you directly? Nice email things. me directly yeah because okay. I don't um I I actually I, I don't seek out the reviews in my reviews. book um because I, I don't like to encroach on reviewer spaces mm. um like I I think it I think it makes like if reviewers know that like authors are going through the good their good read reads reviews like it, I feel like that would make them feel awkward like they would yeah. be totally honest you know what I mean like yeah. like oh my god what if she reads this maybe I shouldn't be honest in my review like you know so like I I try not like sure. I try not to go to, but like sometimes I accidentally someone will okay. me on you know Instagram or whatever but um Instagram's a different piece of like people there are so nice. Oh my gosh. Okay. Bookstagram is so awesome. Oh my mm -hmm. gosh. They are the nice, like, holy moly. They are nice people. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you, yeah, the best way is to definitely email Just me email from you. my website. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, I'll make sure to put that email in the show notes too. So people can reach <laughs> okay. out and say nice things, only yeah. nice things. <laughs> if you want to say mean things, you can send them to me at Raising Romantics. <laughs> That's okay. You can, it's all right. You can say whatever you want to me. Just so mm-hmm. you know, I probably won't see it if you write it on Goodreads. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, do you want to give us one last shout out for your upcoming book? Isn't it Bromantic? <gasps> Yes, isn't it romantic? Uh, is the Russian story finally? The Russians about to get book finally. Um, and Vlad's story surprised even me as I was writing it because he was never mm-hmm. supposed to get. You know, when I first started writing this series, he was not supposed to be his own romance hero. Um, but it ended up being, I think, my favorite um, relationship of the entire mm-hmm. series. He and Elena, I think, are my favorite couple um, because their story is um, really heartfelt. And, and, um, there are two people who are just absolutely perfect for each other mm-hmm. and, but they have to really fight for it. So love it. Okay. Love it. I'm so excited. For and you. of course it's funny. Cause it's blonde. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> he is, he has been the fart joke for three books. So I'm so excited. <laughs> how he, um, lactose right. intolerant to romance I hero. deal with it from the very first page. Trust <laughs> oh, me. Good. Okay. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> All right, Lisa. Thank you so yes, much. Thank you so much. So appreciative. And everybody, me. pre-order book four right now. <laughs> go do it, and then go <laughs> support all the other authors that we talked about, so we can yes. start reading some more inclusive romances. Absolutely. And one last final exciting little tidbit. We've been teasing it for a while now. I don't know if you picked up on that, but if you guys would like to win a signed copy of book number three crazy stupid bromance in the bromance book club series by the one the only lissa k adams <laughs> you guys have the opportunity to now do so you have until may 28th that's the last friday in may again may 28th to send me an email at ragingromantics at gmail.com with your name and why you love bromance or if you haven't started the series yet why you're excited to start it And you will be entered to win that signed copy. Like I said, so yes, is this a ploy to get you to email me at ragingromantics at gmail.com? Yes, it is. But if you want to be entered to win a signed copy, then email me. But Jen, what do we always say? Rage on! (laughs) Lissa, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.